Welcome to the 3 and D podcast. My name is Sean Coleman, and I am here uh, with uh, uh, Justin Lewis, uh, and uh, we are happy uh, to once again be talking with y'all. Justin, how's everything going on your in your neck of the woods? Going well. Hopefully, uh, I'm able to have a good phone reception this week and be able to stay on the call with you. <laughs> yeah, that I, that would that would work out well. Last week, we were trying our best to make something work out, and. and it just just wasn't just wasn't working with us. So I think I think we should be good. But uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're another week past, and uh, you know, the the, the pandemic perils. Uh, one day, you know, a hundred years from now, someone's going to have really a lot of fun writing about all this. Um, but um, but yeah, we're here for another week to join you. Um, uh, last week, Nathan Chester was uh, was uh, kind enough to join us, but this week uh, we're right back on schedule. Of course, you can follow the podcast at Three and D Pod. On uh, Twitter, you can follow myself at StatsSAC, and you can follow uh, Justin at J underscore Timberfake underscore. Um, you also obviously can follow Grizzly Bear Blues um, on uh, um, Twitter at SBN Grizzlies, and you know obviously follow Grizzly Bear Blues for all um, you know the, the podcast stuff with Grizzly Bear Blues Live and of core foreign things such as that. But, you know, Justin, it seemed like that there was not a lot of NBA news uh, this week, but uh, anything regarding sports this week that kind of just jumped out at you, you know, as far as, uh, you know, with us not having it, you know, still though, every now and then it seems like there's a, there's a nugget of knowledge that comes out about sports. Anything jump out at you this week that, that kind of, you know, caught your attention? Um, I think Devin Booker won the only if he's ever going to win. You say that one more time. I think Devin Booker won his only championship. He's going to win. <laughs> well, hey, you know, you never know. Hey, what if he finds his way to Memphis? You never know. We'll, we're going to we're going to hit on that here in just a second. Um, a bit of news though. Um, on our end, um, I um I actually this will be uh, my last episode as a host of the Three uh, and D Pod. Uh, cast. Uh, I am uh, going to uh, step away from the podcast. Um, uh, other things um, in the works uh, that will be known in time, but um, I will not be leaving uh, Grizzly Bear Blues or anything like that. I will be staying on as a writer. I'm going to look forward to enjoying, um, you know, continuing to write, continuing to, you know, be a part of a great group over at SB and Grizzlies. Just, you know, feels like, you know, right time to just um, step away from uh, this podcast. It has been an absolute joy. Um, and Justin, as I've told you a few times, it has been an absolute joy uh, doing it with you. So uh, thank you uh, for, for the opportunity to do that. The 3D podcast, though, will still be going on as strong as ever. Justin will be taking over um, as, you know, main host, obviously, with a lot of opportunities. And, you know, uh, Justin, you know, like I said, man, it's it, it's been a fun ride. I, I don't I hope this isn't my last time on the show, but just last time as a co-host with you. Yeah, well, um, definitely looking forward to what you have next um, and will 100 percent be uh, looking for opportunities to get you on uh, with us again in the future. And obviously, it, uh, the, the whole point of doing this with Justin is because our passion of the Grizzlies basketball and sports. And so, you know, like I say, it's just, uh, you know, everything runs its course. And this has been an absolute pleasure to do. It's always, you know, enjoyable anytime, you know, you can interact with others who share the same passion, you know, as they do with you. But we'll touch on that more at the end of the show. But just one thing I did want to, a couple of things I wanted to touch on was, you know, so looking back 
over this rookie year, you know, I, it seems like it, it seems it's the right time to kind of start treating, you know, this year being, you know, a, a, an end product being completed. Uh, if the NBA does come back at all, it seems like it's going to be for the playoffs only, in my opinion. Uh, so with that being said, there has been some recent talk, you know, about end of year awards and things such as that. And obviously we know John Moran and Zion Williamson, you know, they're likely going to finish one and two in the rookie of the year voting. But um, I, I feel as if, you know, the Grizzlies have a good case to show that they arguably have the two best rookies from this year on their roster in John Moran and Brandon Clark. Now, Clark may not have the totals that other rookies have, but his efficiency and his the quality of his production, there's nobody who can touch him except, you know, Zion um, uh, in, in a lot of categories. But, you know, your thoughts on that. I mean, do you feel that there is a legitimate case to be made that the Grizzlies could finish one and two in the rookie of the year voting this year? Could and should. Um, could they? No. Because um, Zion is a beneficiary of the ESPN hype train where they get a player and they just force them down your throat, and that's what they've done with him. So I think that – Zion will probably get second because he did put up you know massive numbers in the few games that he played. I, I do think that sports writers are smart enough to see past the the forcing of Zion on us by ESPN because I've seen many polls come out where like Jaw was unanimously named Rookie of the Year. Now, should we have the, the top two? I I don't see why we shouldn't. Um, Brandon Clark has been insanely efficient. Um, he has been nothing but a positive impact player uh, on the floor for, at times, um, maybe the second most positive player on the floor behind uh, Morant. You know, the only other rookie that comes to mind, there's probably two other rookies that come to mind outside of Zion that, you know, could make a case, and that's Kendrick Nunn. And um, I think maybe P.J. Washington's had quite an impact um, for Charlotte, but Kendrick Nunn's play can't be overlooked because he carried – um, a lot for that team when when Butler was out, and he's continued to just prove that he deserves um, to have his name in the hat. Um, but he hasn't had the same impact that Morant has had because Morant took a team that had no expectations um, to if the playoffs were to start today, we're in the playoffs. And you know the Heat obviously were, you know they got Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and um, Goran Dragic. Like they are what they're supposed to be, and none just kind of helped him sustain that. Um, but the, you know, would the Grizzlies be where they were without Morant and Clark, you know, how vital is Clark's impact to the team? And I would dare say that it's quite vital. He's, he's been the first guy off the bench, um, at times and, you know, has allowed Jaron to move to the five and, and he's played the four and he's just, the team doesn't miss a beat with him and he's a rookie. So I, I do think that, that maybe Brandon Clark should finish second as rookie of the year, but because he's not the big name, because he's a bench player and because of Zion Williamson, I don't think he will. And the other thing that I'll say about it is this, is that the one argument that I think is there is again, yeah, the minutes totals, uh, the, 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 the stat category totals, things like that. They may not be there, but Clark, but you got to look at his role that he plays for the team. He plays a very important role, like you mentioned, for a team, for one of the biggest, if not the biggest, surprise of the NBA season in the Grizzlies. You know, emerging as a playoff contender. Now, the thing that I will say about Clark, 
is that, you know, one thing that could, you know, you can also make an argument on, you know, he did have a little bit of an injury bug as well. He's missed, you know, 15 games, so about a fifth of the season himself. But in terms of his efficiency and in terms of the big game numbers and in terms of just clearly being a difference maker on the court, it's hard to argue that he, um, he, in my opinion, is right up there in third. I think Zion has shown that he's the best talent of this class. As of right now, Ja obviously is right there at number two. But I think, you know, I think Brandon Clark may be the third best talent so far this year in terms of when he's on the court. Um, You know, the names you mentioned, none. I I think Kobe White is another name, P.J. Washington. You know, none in Washington fell off a little bit. White's kind of gained steam. You know, we can see from him winning uh, a Rookie of the Month award in uh, February. But, um, yeah, I think those six would kind of be in the in the conversation. But I truly do think that you could make an easy case for Clark um, to be second in that running. And, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm working on a piece right now for um, you know, the Grizzly Bear Blues, you know, in which I talk about Clark and, and just how, you know, how much value he adds to the Grizzlies and the trajectory that his career in the start of his career is on. I mean, Justin, well, you can, well, I do not feel Clark is the most critical um, figure to develop for the Grizzlies success. I feel that that is jaw. And then Jaron, I do feel like Clark is the most compelling. And the reason why that is, is because if he can sit there and develop, and continue this track to where he develops, maybe not necessarily into an all-star, but into a player who can play at an all-star level when he's on the court, that really, really elevates the Grizzlies' floor to where they can, you know, be a consistent playoff contender. And plus, you know, with his contract being where it is, he is an absolute bargain right now. So I guess the question that I have is this, is that while you may not be able to make the argument that he's the most critical development for the Grizzlies' future, you could say he's the most compelling, correct? Yeah. Um, my one rebuttal to him being the most compelling is what what more can Brandon Clark develop to his game than he already is? And that's the question we get with the guys that are in college for four years is that they're the they're they're closer to the finished product than the guy that you're getting who's a one and done and the young guys. Outside of developing a more consistent three-point shot, is Brandon Clark what he's going to be for his career? And if that's so, that's an efficient advantage you can defend, which is is phenomenal. But you know, I guess, what are your thoughts on what what more can Clark actually be? Well, that's the thing about it is that I don't necessarily in Clark's case, I don't necessarily think that there is just an overall significant, you know. Um, uh, I don't think that there is just an absolute huge ceiling that he has, but I do think that if he developed like into a starter or into, you know, a six men of the year type candidate, I do think that, you know, he could, you know, become, you know, a, he can be featured more as a guy who can make the big plays. He can create the turnover on the defensive end and get the basket on the offensive end. I think that it's more opportunities and things such as that. So I get your point. I understand what you're saying, though, as far as, you know, is there just an absolute, are there three or four more levels for Clark to reach? Probably not. But in my opinion, if you look at his numbers versus some other well-known young names in the NBA, I think it speaks volumes on where he is now. You know, what I'm looking at in my piece is I'm looking at how Clark compared 
to names such as Pascal Siakam, uh, Christoph Porzingis, um, Demonis Sabonis, um, Trezel Harrell, and, and Bam Abadeo. I'm looking at how he compared to those five names. Now, I'm not saying that Clark's going to become those players, but when you look at Clark's numbers as a rookie versus their numbers as a rookie, and when you look at Clark's numbers now versus each of those five players this season, Clark is well ahead of them as a rookie. Obviously, it's because he's much older, and it's also because he's in a more certain setup with the franchise. However, a lot of those players, they were in good coaching organizations. But if you look at Clark's numbers now, his per, th- his per 36, per 100, and advanced numbers, they're right in line with each of those five names. And we're talking about names where four of these guys have been all-stars before the age of 25. Your other guy, Montrezl Harrell, while he may not be an all-star, he's a consistent sixth man of the year and is a very important piece for a true championship contender. So the thing that I'm getting at is, is that, you know, I, it's not necessarily about Clark being, um, you know, his development being just where he's got three or four more levels. It's what career path will he take? And it's not that there, that it has to take a certain path for it to truly hit for the Grizzlies. It's their, it's that there is versatility in his path. If he's a six man, which he probably will be over the next, um, you know, two or three years, he's going to lead a bench unit that will be consistently one of the best in the NBA. If he becomes a starting power forward, uh, you know, once Jonas is gone, for instance, him and Jaron could lead one of the most versatile front courts in the NBA. So that's my point. And the other thing about the five guys that I mentioned, each one of those guys are on a team right now that are on their way to the playoffs. So when I talk about the development of Brandon Clark, it's not necessarily that he, you know, his individual development just, you know, has so much more room to grow. It's more that because of the value that he adds for the Grizzlies, no matter what career he takes, it's going to lead to a path to success for Memphis. Would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, I've got another comp to throw at you, a player, and, and we're going to take a little uh, trip in the past. Um, the Mike D'Antoni Phoenix Suns teams, who was the third best player on those teams? I, <laughs> now, I'm thinking Steve Nash, Sean Marion, and Amari, Amari Stoudemire. Right, so you got Amari Stoudemire, I would put it two, and then third is Sean Marion. Really? Um, yes. Um, no, no. I agree with you. See, I I I feel like I can make an argument that Marion may have been I think he may have been more valuable than Amari, but you know, neither well, here nor there. Your I'm, point is taken. Yeah. I'm saying talent wise, I'm putting Amari over Sean Marion. Fair enough. The importance wise. But so if you, you look at that model, you got Amari Sotomayor, who's probably undersized to play the five. You got Jaron Jackson who is, you know, he's seven feet, but you know, he's a power forward, um, who's thin. And then you've got Steve Nash, a all-world point guard. You've got Jan Morant, who's going to be an all-world point guard. And then you've got this guy who doesn't really fit a position necessarily, um, who plays a little bit unorthodox, but can defend and, you know, score around the basket efficiently in Sean Marion. And you've got that in Brandon Clark. So if that's your, your three, then you build the team around him correctly, and then you actually have a coach who's competent, and I don't think Mike D'Antoni is a competent coach. Um, you've got somebody like Taylor Jenkins who can use those players when they hit their prime. And we're talking about three guys that aren't even in their prime yet. Um, I think that is a model for and comparison for Brandon Clark is 
the kind of career that Sean Marion had when it comes to Phoenix and Dallas. I think that's an excellent point. And the thing about those, and and the thing about Jaron and, and, and Brandon Clark is this, is that if you want to talk about individual development, Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. both, I feel, have the individual talent on defense to be all NBA considerations if they were to start together. Can you imagine that two, that tandem down low on a consistent basis, 30 to 35 nights a game? It could lead to very good things. Before Jaron got injured, he was finally m- making his uh, cases known for being a defensive anchor. Um, and while we were you know, a top five defensive team the last month before the All-Star break, but Brandon Clark being in there as well also was helping out. So I, I love the Phoenix comparison. I think that's an excellent point to make is that you've, just, you've got the, these talents that just are, are so versatile, they complement each other well, that that trio is definitely worth building around. Um, and so that leads to a further conversation. Now, you know, before the show, I would kind of threw out the idea to you to just talk about the Grizzlies roster in general. And so when we look at this roster, over the next few years, the Grizzlies basically have, you know, seven players in place right now. They're starters plus they're, you know, two anchors of their bench. You've got Jaw, you've got Dylan, you've got Justice Winslow, you've got Jaron, and you've got Jonas all locked in for the next few years, um, you know, whether it be rookie contracts or extensions. Then you've got uh, Tyus um, Jones and you've got Brandon Clark who are in place. Now, there may be other Grizzlies. I, I do feel like Grayson, I think Grayson Allen's option was picked up for next year. I believe that's correct. Um, but you've got other Grizzlies. You've got Allen. You've got, um, you know, Gorgie Dang, who is with the Grizzlies next year as of right now. Um, and, and then you've got, you know, compelling cases with uh, Josh Jackson, uh, the Anthony Melton, things such as that. So taking Jaw and Jaron out of the equation, because we know that that's the two pillars that we're going to build around. Talking about the other players that are in there, Brandon Clark obviously is a a critical part for our future, but who would you also put in that critical um, bucket? I mean, I know that these guys are around for the next few years, but who would you put in that bucket with Clark as being like, okay, if this guy can truly develop, that will allow for us to continue being ahead of schedule, being better than people anticipated this quickly? Yeah, well, I'd like to well, with our guys, um, he was uh, coming on. He played very well at the end of last season. Uh, he's obviously been dealing with the injury, but when he was playing basically the point guard for them for a stretch, um, he was lighting up the league. Um, and so I feel like, you know, we talk about Kyle Anderson being that point forward. I feel like Anderson can come or Winslow can come in and kind of do that better um, than Kyle Anderson. And so I, I put Winslow up there just because we need to see what he can do with the, with this group of guys. Um, I'm low on Dylan Brooks, have been, uh, probably always will be. Um, I honestly would rather see uh, Josh Jackson and DeAnthony Melton get chances with this group than, than DB. Um, and then, you know, we got, you know, Gorgie is back next year. Um, if we can get him back after that on a very small contract, I would not be against that at all. Um, but I'm talking like borderline vet minimum, three mil max. Um, just to see, you know, we, we need a solid guy off the bench that can, that can rebound and spread the floor, and, and he can do that. Um, you know, Grizzlies don't really have that guy that can't um, – that's down low that can't spread the floor. They don't have that um, Sokolitis or Hadati that has to be around the basket to succeed. They've got two guys in Jonas Valanciunas and Gorgie Dang that play the center position, quote-unquote, that can also spread the floor. 
Um, so I like the way the roster is being built, uh, but I would have to go with Brandon Winslow, Josh Jackson, and DeAnthony Milton as the guys that um, I would value going forward. And I figured, and you with as many guys as we have in place, and there were, I was going to forget one that would be Kyle Anderson. And, and the, the thing is, though, is that also, you know, with the Anthony Melton and Josh Jackson, you know, those guys are are going to line up to where you're going to have to much be, make a much bigger commitment to them than you than you have this year. Now, I think Josh Jackson, you know, it, it, it's with the limitations that the Grizzlies have on being able to sign him. I think we can only spend since we declined his option like up to one. We can't. I think the rule is is that we cannot pay him more than the option that we declined him for. I think that's how it works. But all in all, what it comes down to is, is that we can't go more than one year and nine million. So if he gets a multi-year contract out there, you know, he's likely going to go. So I don't know what the likelihood of bringing him back is. I do agree he's important. Uh, I do would like Melton back. I think Melton is a player that can continue to develop, could become a more offensively consistent threat to go with his defense. And that will be a, a big value, you know, to the Grizzlies backcourt, you know, into the bench. But at the end of the day, I also think that the Grizzlies are going to continue to be creative, you know, with all the guys that they have, you know, you've got some of these players who could sit there and be the main guy off the bench for a playoff team. So I think that you could see a Kyle Anderson or or someone along those lines traded. I don't know if Dylan Brooks is going to be traded necessarily. You may see Jonas traded. You don't know. I think that the Grizzlies with Dylan and Jonas really like the idea of keeping them there kind of as the veteran presences, you know, even though they're, I believe, 24, 25 and um, 24, 25, and, and 27, um, I think the Grizzlies like what they bring to the core. But, you know, that's the thing about it. Whenever this, you know, offseason comes in play, it's already going to be a weird offseason, probably going to be a much shortened offseason with all that's going on. But I do feel like the Grizzlies do still have some room for creativity, even though, you know, a lot of cap space was taken up with the with the Justice Winslow trade. Um, but, you know, yeah, I agree with you. I think that Clark's there. I think the development of Winslow, if he could ever become consistent and stay healthy, that will help. I will throw in Tyus Jones into that um, equation as well, uh, just because his efficiency and his ability to navigate that second unit, it provides such a big boost. Him being able to efficiently run the point with the talents around him like Clark and uh, Melton and, you know, other players, you know, if, if Dylan and Tyus were to ever play together off the bench, I think that would be a heck of a pairing. But Tyus Jones providing that steady hand uh, that he does, and he can, he can provide a little scoring himself. I think that that he's another critical point um, that really makes a difference for the Grizzlies. But speaking of, um, you know, potential players that could be traded, Gorgie Dang, He's on that list. I think Kyle Anderson's on that list. I mean, Grayson Allen may be when we pick up his option. Um, but, you know, talking about potential trades that are out there, um, Justin, I mean, you had talked a little bit about this in the past, but I brought it up on, you know, Twitter uh, this past week, just talking about, you know, would the Grizzlies move an unexpected part of their future if they could land a premium talent that would be under control? And I mentioned the name Brandon Clark and had thrown out names like Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, um, Devin Booker. I mean, you could a couple of other names you could throw there is Buddy Hild, um, you know, and, and players such as that. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel, first off, that the Grizzlies should make that big of a move, you know, still this early in the rebuild process? Um, do you feel that it makes sense for the Grizzlies to to be looking at that? Or should they just kind of let it fall on its lap unexpectedly? Uh, man, you set Twitter on fire. 
Um, I didn't realize how uh, many people valued a um, late first round pick so highly. Um, granted, he has been very efficient. He's you know could be the second best rookie this year. Like we, I, I get all that, but as we've already discussed, he's close to his ceiling. Um, and so, yeah, sure. Um, Brandon Clark is a great bench piece, possible solid starter going forward next to Jaron, but. On your polls that you put up on the on the Twitter, I, I did vote, and I voted two no's on one yes. Um, and I voted no to Bradley Bill, mainly because of his age. He is he's going to be exiting his primes probably before John Jaron enter theirs. And so I'd rather find a player with that scoring ability um, that lines up more with the window that we're in, um, unless you think our window is going to be in the next two years which I'm not quite sure yet because LeBron and AD will still be around in two years. Um, so I voted on him. I voted on Zach Levine just because I don't like um, the way he carries himself on the court. Um, I'm just not a fan of his game at all. Um, so I'd, I'd rather keep Clark over Zach Levine. But I did vote yes on Devin Booker. Um, he is young. I believe he's only 22. Um, so he, he falls in that, that age window of where we want, and we know that the dude can score. Something that the Grizzlies have always lacked, a guy who can just fill the bucket up, and he can do that. We've we've missed that shooter uh, the whole time, and if you had the opportunity to go get Devin Booker and the highest pi- price you pay was Brandon Clark, I don't think you hesitate. I think you have to do it. I agree with you. You know, and like I say, you know, I I I would be hesitant to part with Clark you know, or for the Grizzlies to, like, be seeking the chance to, like, um, trade him. I think there are parts to Brandon Clark's game. Yes, I agree. I think that Brandon Clark's probably at, at 50 to 60% of his game, maybe a little bit more. But I think that he – I think Brandon Clark could be an all-star level player if he ever started. Definitely feel like he, you know, is not far from being an all-star level player on the court right now. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in time. But – I do agree with you, though. At the end of the day, you can think about, you know, wanting to, you know, I talked with a few folks on Twitter who they were, they were locked into the concept of a rebuild and that you don't want to go too fast. You don't want to, you know, go all in too quickly. You, you want to stay true to what's been working. And I get that. But I also don't feel as if you need to value the general outline of a process more than the ability to gain talent and being proactive when an opportunity is there. I know that the 76ers opportunity kind of worked. You know, it, it, you know, yes, they got, you know, a team with very good talent. It's, you know, all, the main core of it is homegrown. But the Grizzlies have that now too. But if Memphis can sit here and get a talent like Bill or Booker and that level of offensive ability that would allow for them to be able to compete with anyone offensively, I really do think you have to pull the trigger, especially if they'll stay in Memphis long-term. And I think with the jaw-jaring combination, you certainly could you know, make an easy case for them to do that. So I would not be looking to trade Brandon Clark. I think he complements jaw and Jaron well. I think his value is, is immense um, right now on his rookie contract. I also think that he will grow into the type of player that, you know, really could, you know, be an impactful, um, you know, talent in the playoffs. Like I mentioned, those five other guys, you know, their teams are all in the playoffs. And a big reason why is because of each of them. So 
I do feel that Brandon Clark, I don't feel he's untradeable, but I do not feel as if he's someone that I'm sitting here shopping. You know, I'm not trying to sit here and bring in a superstar and you and um, dang, angling Brandon Clark um, as as the main get, you know, in that process. Um, you know, the other thing that I'll say about this Grizzlies team is that when the if the playoffs do, were to come around, you know, what to expect from them. And, you know, if we did get swept by the Lakers or, you know, whatever may, you know, happen, uh, th- that whole part of the situation, I mean, you know, just when it comes to the, the potential setup for the NBA season, obviously we're going to be excited to just have sports back. But do you feel that it's going to be different, like in terms of how you view it? Like, are you going to get as excited about this opportunity for the Grizzlies to play the Lakers in the first round as if they were to have played the full season and earned it over any surges from like the Pelicans or the Trailblazers? Do you feel what's occurred is going to, you know, yeah, it's going to be different in theory, obviously, but is it going to change your personal feelings uh, of, of how to view the Grizzlies versus the Lakers in the first round? Um, probably not. Like, would I have liked to, to be able to watch the rest of the season play out and the Grizzlies fight and hang on and, and shut Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers up and, and you know, prove, you know, was the rookie of the year over Zion because he led his team in over Zion's and, and all that. That would have been awesome to watch play out. But uh, it's not going to change my excitement level watching us play the Lakers in the first round. Um, you know, be- because we've proven that we can smack the Lakers pretty good. Um, we've done it. And surely Justice Winslow was healthy by the time the playoffs roll around. And my understanding is that if we do come back, there is going to be like a, a mini training camp period where they give the team a chance to, to get, get the team back together um, to practice, get the guys, make sure they're in playing shape. Um, you know, most of the guys are probably, you know, on their own taking care of that. But then you, you get a couple of weeks to add Winslow into this mix with this team. Um, I don't think we beat the Lakers. I don't think we're getting swept. Um, yeah, LeBron's a different animal um, when it comes to the playoffs. But it's not like his supporting cast outside of Anthony Davis is that phenomenal. We are a deeper team. Um, so at some point, LeBron's got to sit down, and at some point, AD's got to sit down. Yeah, AD dominates Jaron, and I get that. Um, but our bench play could be what keeps us in when you've got guys like DeAnthony Melton and Brandon Clark and Tyus Jones. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I would, I'm still excited about seeing where we are right now with what people perceive to be the best team in the league um, because of who they have. So, it won't change the way I view the game at all. And, and you know, similar fashion here, you know, I, I, I think I've seen, a, you know, over in baseball, not necessarily in basketball, I've, I've seen a few folks say, oh, this won't feel the same. And, I, and I, I don't get that. I'm like, you know, it will feel the same to me because, you know, it's still the concept of it. You get the added benefit of since you've had an absence of sports, you will get, you know, that extra boost there. It, it, it may not feel the same that atmosphere there, the crowd reactions and things like that probably won't be there, but obviously it's still there. And the opportunity is still there for us to really make a statement, you know, to end a great year. So I I do agree with you, but like I say, um, you know, it's, it definitely is an exciting time. Um, You know, it's a wonderful time for 
Memphis to, you know, really reflect on its initial success. I do think that there are, I think there is going to be a significant move whenever the offseason occurs, not necessarily bringing in, you know, just an ultimately talented player, but I do think that the Grizzlies may get more assets and things such as that. You know, obviously we'll have the draft and everything to look forward to, but you know, as for me, um, uh, obviously, you know, there's a lot to look forward to on my end. There's a lot to look forward to with this show. Um, Justin, it's been an absolute pleasure, like I said, uh, getting to work with you. Um, I obviously will be continuing to listen. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to be with Grizzly Bear Blues, you know, as a writer and things such as that. But I wish you nothing but the best. I know you're going to do great. Um, you know, a couple of the things that you mentioned you've already got lined up. You know, it sounds like, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, again, thank you for the opportunity to, over the past year or so, uh, being able to enjoy this ride with you. And I wish you and the show nothing but the best. Yeah, man, no, I appreciate you. Um, I've I've actually learned a lot from you, um, and I appreciate your patience with me. My life has been uh, quite the roller coaster here lately, and you've you've carried this on your back, and um, you deserve um, what you've got coming next. And um, I look forward to supporting you uh, in that, and and having you back on to to talk about those things. Sounds great. And uh, to, to everyone, uh, to, to, to Joe um, uh, Mullinax and, uh, you know, Parker Fleming and Nathan Chester, you know, a lot of the Grizzly Bear Blues, um, you know, um, family, their support, um, the opportunity. And, and more, most importantly to those are the, the readers and the listeners, you know, just thanks for giving us the opportunity to do this. We do this because we're passionate and we enjoy the opportunity, you know, to give our perspectives and talk about the Grizzlies, but more than anything, just to share the experience of, you know, enjoying something that, you know, a multitude of folks are passionate about. That's basketball, that's Memphis, that's the Grizzlies. And in a time where that's needed more than anything, you know, it's just been a pleasure, you know, to talk with y'all. But thank you so much uh, for listening with us. Uh, starting uh, next week, uh, uh, Justin will be, you know, uh, back with, uh, you know, plenty of, of good content, opportunities, and, you know, uh, obviously guests and, and, you know, co-hosts as well. Looking forward to seeing what he's got to say. Justin, do you have anything else to add before we head on? Yeah, I'll tease next week. Um, I've got a major league baseball player coming on as my guest next week. He has. We're going to talk about uh, basketball shoes. He's got an extensive collection. We'll we'll talk through uh, favorite ones to play in, best ones to play in, his favorite where they look, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we'll talk about how they're being affected um, by the pandemic, uh, and then get the you know the perspective from a professional athlete on all this. Um, so yeah, we got an MLB player coming on. Uh, to join us for next week's pod. So you guys check it out. There you go. Next week, it should. It, it sounds like it's going to be the start of something great. For me, Sean Coleman, and for Justin Lewis, thanks so much, guys. Best of luck to each of y'all. I, I, I'm sure that, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll interact again in the future. But again, thanks so much for the opportunity. And thanks so much for listening to us on this edition of the 3 D Podcast.